Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series produced by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. The first series of Jam Presents takes us back to July 2001, when Fox ran a one-off TV series called Murder in Small Town X, an American reality TV show that we believe went somewhat unnoticed. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of Murder in Small Town X as Jason and I follow the journeys of 10 contestants as they attempt to solve the brutal murder of the Flint family and catch the killer. Oh, and at the same time, try to win 250 grand. In the quiet town of Sunrise, Maine, a killer is on the loose. A reward has been offered to 10 ordinary people. been sent to Sunrise to play the killer's twisted game. Welcome to Sunrise. Now, they must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one. Each episode of Murder in Small Town X is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 6 now. In this episode, we head to a cleansing ceremony and spy on Jimmy and Prudence as her houseboat explodes. So a recap, a lot is brought up as a reminder at the start of this episode. We get reminded of Hayden de Beck being the leader of Mind Science Organisation. We get reminded that Mary Elizabeth is a stripper in the day and with the Reverend the next. She's got her fingers in every pie, so to say. Prudence and Nate photographed in bed together. Nate withdrew all the money from an offshore account that was in the last episode. We get shown, obviously, that Kristen came back for the fourth time and that we lost Brian and that ten suspects and five investigators remain. The five investigators that remain are Kristen, Katie, Jeff, Alan and Angel. Mm -hmm. The Doctor rings headquarters and Kristen receives the news that the Doctor thinks Thibodeau has been killed. This is Dr. Neva. I think Thibodeau's been killed. (gasps) He was fine when I left the office last night. I came in this morning and he's gone. There's blood everywhere. I need somebody to come over right away. This is actually a really sad moment. Yeah, and it hit, it hit quite hard, I thought, because we're talking 30 seconds in. 30 seconds in, and we've already had five hours of Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Being one of the main... He's been one of the main suspects and characters of the whole yeah. show. It seems as though Kristen, after taking him to the doctors, dropped him off. The doctor said he was fine when the doctor left that evening, but now there's a load of blood and the body is gone spliced in with that is the green and grainy footage so we see the killer with the bang stick going into Thibodeau's room in the doctors hospital's got awful security (laughs) we're just gonna leave you here overnight Kristen says oh we'll be over right away and the doctor says somebody right now she makes it more urgent than it needs to be because the body's missing I mean Kristen just said should be right over yeah Kristen goes with Angel and there's a sweeper outside. Thibodeau is killed with what looks like a bang stick during the night. They, I think this time they really showed the bang stick on the green, grainy footage. Yeah, all the other times it was just a, it was a, just an explosion or a, a shot, but this time it was like, I'm going to put this bang stick in your face. You know what? I spent the opening credits. I was a bit sad because, you know, you've got 30 seconds of credits and we've now just been told that Thibodeau's gone. That's it. Gary speaks to the team about the call from the doctor and what they found. Another fi- uh, 357 casing was found. So this 
therefore links all the murder scenes, the Flints, Lighter and Thibodeau. You know what? It got me that they took him off the whiteboard. Firstly, happy with a really thick pen that they used. Yep, fine. Made sure this time. Upset that it was Thibodeau because I really like the fact that Thibodeau's died or dead because mm. uh, he was a really good character. So this is just me thinking deep down that I want him to still be alive. But Gary is quick to remove him from the board. Without a body. There's no body. Have they tested the blood to say it was definitely his blood? If I was Thibodeau and I was the killer, I'd be thinking, you know what, this town is on to me. They're about to find me. You know what I'm going to do? He's been storing his blood. He has literally been draining his blood off for the last God knows how True. long. He could just splash it around. But yeah, that's a good theory. It's a good theory. It's, it's just one of those that it's not the case because Gary's taken him off the board. But as I say, it's just me deep down thinking, oh, I wish he was still alive. After we had completed gathering evidence, Mo took me outside. He was very upset. Next bit, I really enjoyed because it was a real good reach back to a previous episode with the camera. Yeah, I thought that was good. Mo took Angel outside after they gathered evidence and they're given a tape recording made on a children's video camera that Thibodeau wanted the group to have. Mm -hmm. And then they flashback to that scene. And that's one of those that we've been discussing it all the way along. Like when clues come up, when when you see things, you want them to... Yes. And this is a question I'm going to pose to you being, but if they they picked it up at the time that they could have, would that tape still have been in there and they would have extra information that would have changed the course of the investigation? Really, really good question. If they'd have taken that tape out, would they then have got another tape where Thibodeau would have gone to the shop and got another tape to record himself? He said that he holds us fully responsible for what happened to Tibbs. Mo tells Angel that he holds the group accountable for the murder of Thibodeau, and we see the flashback of the video camera that they all noticed but didn't do anything about in episode two. So in the recording, he mentions that he doesn't have long left, his lungs are shot, and that he's spitting blood. I'm recording this because I'm, I don't know how much longer I can last. Feeling worse every day. He also says that he loved Prudence Connor since he can remember and all he wants to do is kiss her. He mentions that she asked him to lie and he lied for her. Thibodeau was saying at this point that Connor killed Nate Flint on the night of the murders. They go back from their night together around 1am and Connor said she needed to go pay Nate a visit. We were reminded of the saucy photos and the two of them. She hated Nate Flint, apparently. Signs off with... I love Connor. Semper Fi. And it took a while to get a Semper Fi. <laughs> we spoke about Simplify in the last episode. Maybe if we were in the Marines, we'd probably picked up on it <laughs> a lot sooner than it was Semper Fi. For clarity, Semper Fi is short for Semper Fidelis, meaning always loyal. And it's something that the Marines use as a slogan of sorts. And that's why Alan picked up on it in the previous episode. Which makes a lot more sense than Simplify. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff says something here. Now, Jeff is an interesting character in this episode, and I go from not having any feelings for Jeff to really liking Jeff to thinking Jeff is an absolute douchebag. 100%, yeah. Throughout the episode. He makes a good comment to say, Thibodeau's not thinking straight. I don't think it is Connor. And do you know what? I agreed with him at that point. And obviously we go in to find out Connor's alibi and all that sort of thing and why she went to visit Nate. But the fact that Jeff mentions, well, hang on a minute, Thibodeau's suffering. He's clearly got a lot of issues going on. He's not very well. So when he's recording this video and he's saying it's definitely Connor, he doesn't necessarily know that. And is he thinking straight? Yeah, you know, but for full details. And to be fair, if you were Prudence and you had gone to see Nate on the night of his murder, yeah, you might want to go to Thibodeau, the only person that knows that you went there on that night, and say, please don't tell them. Not to cover up the fact that you murdered them, but to cover up the fact that you were there. They introduce track one. They say track one need to find out 
what Connor's relationship was with Flint. Did she hate him as Thibodeau suggested or was she in love with him as the pictures suggest? We next find out that Enhanced Power, where Nate was getting deposits of money from to the amount of around $250,000 is owned by General DeBeck's Mind Science Organization. Track two, therefore, need to find out why DeBeck was paying Nate this money. Why that amount? Why did Nate take the money out? And where is the money now? Then the lifeguard is chosen by Brian in his last will and testament and he chose Katie. The person that I feel would serve best as lifeguard next would be Katie. Track one being, what was Connor's relationship with Flint? Did she hate him or did she love him? We are told that Connor is out at Thibodeau's cabin, so that's where Angel and Kristen need to head to find her. Angel gets a bit, we'll threaten her if we need to. (laughs) He's like, we'll just just give the photos to Frank. I'm like, hang on a minute. As he's walking, he's just like, no, yeah, we'll just give him the photos, yeah. Which is a great tactic. I mean, she's going to speak. As they approach the cabin, they see smoke. Connor is seen burning Thibodeau's possessions. Thibodeau, he's a simple person in that he's clearly got a childlike mind. He's got all these kids' toys, the film that he made for the group was made on a child's camera camera i wonder whether or not there's something deeper did he have a kid and lost a kid or is it all his old childhood stuff Mm -hmm. that you know he's he's kept hold of really they don't really go into that but it gives him a a certain characteristic by you know having all these toys but prudence is they're just setting fire to it, which is really good for the environment. I mean, back in 2000, no one cared. Smoke coming off of that. <laughs> yeah. They're... Wasn't even blown the right way. It was like, can you... They could have thought, oh, we'll just burn some of the wooden toys. <laughs> Not all the plastic ones. Plastic next to the lake where all the animals live. Oh, Jesus. She says that she's conducting a funeral for a friend. Like burning his shit. Yeah. Mate, if I die, don't burn my shit. <laughs> Another load of sweepers. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere, they are. They just, yeah, they've got a like, boat there. They are getting like disgustingly close as well. This episode had more sweepers, and I think that's increased. You know, it's exponential. You see one or two in the first episode. Right <laughs> now, we've got about seven hundred. I don't care what people are saying. They're saying that they saw you at that dock. Yeah. They saw you with the bang stick. Yeah. They saw you throw it into the water. Yeah. We're trying to clear up what's going on. I'm not going to talk to you in front of these sweepers. I told you to stay the hell away from me, you vultures. Angel lays it on thick, explains it how bad it looks for Connor. She says she won't talk in front of the sweepers. Surely the next natural question is, I won't talk in front of these sweepers. Who the hell are these guys? What are they doing here? <laughs> yeah, we're six, uh, six hours into this. Just turn around and say, can you just fuck off a minute? I'm trying to talk. <laughs> <laughs> can you just brush up somewhere else? Are they just waiting for all the, the fire to burn out so they can brush that away? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. So Connor says she'll look. I don't want to talk in front of the sweepers. Let's meet later on in the bar. Angel tries to push his luck, doesn't he, oh, with Connor? Yeah. And she gets really angry at him. She goes bar at nine p.m. and then she shouts, "Leave!" in his face. Did they know you were having an affair with me? Would you get out of here now? Okay. That... Leave. So we see a lot of track two now before we cut back to the evening, but we're going to go straight into the evening. We're going to stick with track one for a bit, yeah. where Angel and Kristen go to meet Connor at the Sunset Club. Sunset Club, I love that. Sunset Club in Sunrise. I've not, I've not picked that up. Sunset Club in Sunrise. We need to go back to that. Sorry, I completely missed that. I yeah, I thought it was really cool. Really cool. Sunrise, club. and your your club is called Sunset. It's genius. Beautiful. So when they get to the club, someone outside is beeping their car horn. Once again, we see the sweepers. Connor is in her pickup. She wants to talk to them away from the sweepers. She says that they've been following all day. We actually learn why later on with the... Crossover, yeah, we do. Yeah, and, and, and the interactions between her and Debeck, we understand why the, the, the sweepers have been following her. She mentions that her dad was in the army, but also the foreman of 
the Kingfisher Cannery. Her dad owned Dog Island, which, if I remember rightly, that's where Kristen had to go back and retrieve a clue earlier on. Yes. Connor mentions that when she was eight, her dad ran into money problems and took out a loan from Kingfisher. And they wouldn't give it to us unless we put the island up for collateral. So they used the island as collateral and eventually lost it. Her dad hit the drink and died. And she now blames the Flints and the townspeople for the loss of her dad. And at this point, I've written down, at this point, I'm certain we will be told that she got those photos as blackmail. And perhaps the money that Nate took out was to give to Connor in exchange for the photos. I was absolutely convinced. And then she completely changed my mind because she turned around and said, In spite of the way that I felt about the Flints, I fell in love with Nate. Nate came to me and he felt that what Kingfisher had done to our family was wrong. And so it kind of opened up my heart to him. And I thought, you know what, that's mental. And you can see Kristen thinking, what are you talking about? But then you think about it, the, the timelines would suggest actually it was probably C.R. Flint that screwed over her dad yeah. for Dog Island. So actually I could understand that, you know, she, she, she could fall in love with Nate and the fact that Nate didn't agree with her about her dad, how her dad was, you know, treated. She said that they spoke until 2am that night and that he didn't mention the photos. So that she was completely unaware of the photos. So I thought, you know what, she's, she's won me over. And she had. I completely believed her that she said, I didn't, didn't know about the photos at that point. Connor says that she ended their relationship the night Nate was killed and that's why she wanted to go and talk to him. Mm-hmm. She had me fooled completely. We want to talk to you. Get your hands off me. We see the fight between Connor and a sweeper out of absolutely nowhere. They're sat in the club. The sweeper gets a bit close saying, we need to ask you something or we need to talk. He puts his hand on her shoulder. And yeah, and that's when she just lashes right up. like spears him through the door. (laughs) It's amazing. Now in this track, Kristen and Angel get told that the sweeper or a sweeper who was involved in the ruckus is down at the dock and Dudley wants them to give him an ID. That's not actually the case when they get down there. None of the sweepers there are the one that they saw in the fight. When suddenly, oh man, and this is incredible again, talking about effects that they've gone for, or, you know, the fact that they blew up a boat in the dock. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) that was absolutely incredible. That boat goes up some, doesn't it? The fact that Katie and, and Alan are watching it from the window of HQ. I know HQ's that way. It is over but, that but side. I, I think Alan says, like, or one of them says, they, like, felt it. Like, all those yeah, inside. Yeah, yeah. Super Dudley confirms that the boat that blew up was Connor's houseboat. On this track, back at HQ, Gary mentions the explosion that there was no body found, therefore Connor is presumed alive. Angel and Kristen inform Gary of what they found out. She was with Thibodeau on the night of the murder and then went to see Nate. We're heading into track two, Alan and Jeff. As a reminder, track two need to find out why Debeck was paying Nate the money. Why $250,000? Why did Nate take the money out the day before that he was killed? And where is that money now? This is probably... <laughs> this track is probably my favourite of all. Yeah, it is it bonkers. Went, went, genuinely went from zero to 100 very quickly. Okay, track two is going to be the Debeck team. The cult is holding one of their initiations today. So we find out Debeck's cult is holding an initiation day, which they call a cleansing. 
it's the only time that they let strangers take part and get close to the mind science organization. So track two need to get involved in this initiation. Obviously, Alan and Jeff have been selected by I'm Katie. So glad Alan went. Yeah, he's, he's really good. He's a joy to watch, isn't he? And some of his quotes that I've noted a bit later are, are hilarious as well. So they get to the bus stop on the way and Sam Larrabee sat there waiting for the bus. She mentions that she's going there too in order to clear her mind after the trauma that she's been through. Another sweeper just randomly in the shop. Whoever's planned this task, bravo. Yeah, who the writers of this particular episode, just fantastic. So when they get off the bus, walk backwards yeah. in single file... <laughs> With sweepers either side of the porch on the house, on the roof. The population of Sunrise, Maine, of pure sweepers, is 60% sweepers. Alan, Jeff and Sam find themselves in the middle of the room. Mary Elizabeth comes out in a what looks like a wedding dress or ceremonial dress. Mary Elizabeth's bloody everywhere, isn't she? There's probably four of her. <laughs> um, in the next scene, we see Alan and Jeff taking their shirts off. And they had to wash themselves for 45 minutes. In, a, in literally like a tub, isn't it? That, that water's getting cold. But it's also, it's also, also Sam's with them. And I wonder how much she knows what's going to happen. Because it won't, like, she's just like, for fuck's sake, I've got to do this for 45 minutes. I'd rather have not have told her. I'd rather not have told her. And just be like, just go with it. Just go with what, what you're doing and then just crack later on. <laughs> we next see a podium on, on a stage with Debeck's face. two brooms glued. Crossed broomsticks. And you think, oh, Debeck's going to come out. No, Reverend Rusty Crandall. Now, I have been suffering a little bit with a Rusty Crandall recently. But the fact that he comes out shouting like a preacher, yeah. unbelievable. And the next thing is that Reverend Rusty comes up. I was caught off guard to see Reverend Rusty there, thinking that, you know, he's the preacher of the town. Are you ready to change your life? Are you ready to change your life? Kind of scared me. And then he actually makes General Debeck look slightly less insane. Because then Debeck comes out and he's all quiet. But Alan, Alan sort of mentions it took him by surprise because obviously he's, he's a man of God in theory and he's come out preaching in this cult. Yeah, Rusty Crandall has got a lot. I mean, we'd already mentioned the fact that he was with Mary Elizabeth in a towel, the fact that he was with, that he set up a casino night at $2 bills and now he's initiating yeah, people into. We have seen him in a church or anything, have we? Uh, we saw him. We saw him at a funeral ceremony with Bono glasses. Some of them checked his credentials. So you want to change your life? Well, today you embark on a journey. A journey in three important steps: order, strength, life. Debeck says that those being cleansed today are going on a journey made up of three important steps: order, strength, and logic. And once you have passed through these three levels, I will speak privately with you. Alan and Jeff, along with Sam, are now given their first step in the cleanse ritual. There are dozens of decks of cards in front of them. So this is order. And they are required to put 50 decks of cards in order that are literally being thrown across the table. That would do your head in. Like already you've washed for 45 odd minutes and now you're told... Reorganise all of these cards. Yeah, and it's not the one, one deck at a time. They're chucking deck and deck and deck. <laughs> drop and drop. The next scene was with flashcards. Spare. Spare virtuous. Spare virtuous neat. Spare virtuous neat spotless. We had to say a word and also add, add the next word in the sequence. And remember it. But this is where Sam quits as well. Poor Sam, cracking under the pressure. In fairness to Alan... Alan says how hard it is. He's finding it really, really difficult. And that guy's a Marine. And then, and then the worst bits come. Oh, man. Strength. 
So you've got to run behind a bus, then swim in cold water. Alan, he said, I would have done about anything to meet the general, but I also would have done about anything just to compete with Jeff. So the brooms, man, the, the next the next task they've got, they've been in the sea, they've got cold. They've got to climb to the top of a tower and now they're holding holding a broom outwards and you're told you've got to do it for 15 minutes. But then they get told, oh, did we say 15 minutes? And you've now got to do it for, an, for another 15 Far out. I don't know. I don't know if they they did or not. That'd be fine. Like, no, who knows? Know. And to to be fair, they were only motivated at that point. I think of competing against each other. I don't think it was anything to do with meeting De Beck. I think at that point you're probably thinking because I would have just thought, is this worth it? Yeah, I, there's a bit I've got to add before this because they obviously they're talking to Alan. Um, or Alan's talking to the camera about this task and also says about how he's had to recite the alphabet backwards from the middle out all sorts. But also, Jeff's had to count up in sevens and multiply by sevens. Yes. And, and he said that Jeff can't even add seven, add seven. And Jeff's over here trying to run off multiples of seven, and he can't even add seven and seven. The final stage is logic. They're holding a bucket of water, which gets brilliant lighter. Task. Absolutely brilliant task. Incredible. So the more answers that you get right, the more water that gets taken out of the bucket, one cupful at a time. Alan's quote here. I wish Doc had still been around and maybe Doc and Katie could have answered some of the logic questions because you got a hick from Knoxville and a model who's not too sharp trying to answer those questions. Because the, all the questions are logic-based. They're rubbish. I like, how, I like how both of them are rubbish at it, though. Yeah, oh yeah, it's great that it's not just one of them. It's, they are both, And the, that's it. That He says, I was expecting him to say a hick from Knoxville and a model that's not too sharp and then Jeff was going to nail every single one. It's very clever. It's very clever. It's quite intimidating setting because you've got sweepers all around you. They're holding the mm. bucket. And I think it's the last one you see. It's about how um, a man has married 22 people in a village. Um... How, how can this be or something like that, isn't it? And it's because he's a priest and he's the vicar. And Alan says, He's standing They're in front all of different you, times. What? He's standing in front of you. What? He's a priest. <laughs> and they take the final cup of water. Yeah. So they've now done, they've now gone through eight as a cleansing. They get to see De Beck. The interview room that De Beck walks into, so they've, they've got a table, a couple of chairs. The interview room was made up of like broom heads. De Beck reveals that he gave Flint the cash in exchange for the Kingfisher Sardine Factory land. Now we've heard this story before. This does make sense because Flint was apparently going bankrupt. Kovic had mentioned that earlier in the series that Flint was going bankrupt. So perhaps he was selling the land to help his sort of financial issues obviously we also find out more about the photos later on so actually maybe it's just that he wants to raise the funds to to pay off prudence but de beck seems to think that connor has the two hundred and fifty thousand now this would explain why the sweepers have been following her that's really good when when we find that out that's a really key piece of information alan and jeff they come a, they come out really pissed off that they didn't you know they went through all those trials for eight hours and only got four minutes with a general and most of that was him speaking at them that definitely adds to it though i think that's brilliant they yeah and they undervalue what that four minutes actually was worth for the investigation but i do love how into it they are they're really fuming because of they only got four minutes back at hq gary does congratulate the pair for surviving the cleansing despite only having four minutes with the bag they did get a lot of information from him because i mean i know this is a game show but up to this point apart from the dive that Angel and Kristen had to do in the last episode. There hasn't been any tasks, hasn't it? There's no bit, like you say, there's nothing no. like abseiling. There's no t 
proper rule tasks with it until this. You compare it to a, C- a series like The Mold and everything is task-based. Mm-hmm. You know, there are three tasks a day and these tracks could have easily been, you've got to recover this from the bottom of the lake, you've got to recover this from the top of this mountain. Yeah. But it's not, it's but very seven much... Seven mile hike to find him out in the wilderness or something. Yeah, you're just in a uh, in a walkthrough in this sense rather than it being more adventure-based. But, um, but no, these last few episodes have really done well on that. So now we're going to flip back to track one because we're back at HQ now. Hmm. Gary says that Moe has been hired to take the Beck on Thibodeau's ferry to Dog Island at 7pm tonight. This is where the crossover between one and two starts because Angel confirms that Dog Island is the island owned by Michael Connor, Prudence's dad. So when Prudence mentioned her dad, you know, there's a crossover with Dog Island. Track one, Kristen and Angel are tasked with setting up surveillance at Connor's cabin, as there must be something going on with DeBeck and Connor. We see Angel and Kristen carrying camera equipment up to Connor's house. This is a really cool assignment. This is much better than holding broomsticks out for half an hour. But how long have they got on this? Well, this is it. Do they, don't they? This is really intense. Mm -hmm. Like, she's coming up the river on a boat, and they're, like, still putting out wires and things like that. I mean, is this this a massive fuck-up? Or is it kind of, you know, the fact that all is intentional to rush But there is a save, isn't there? There is a save, and we'll talk about that. Always a contingency, and it made me think that in other situations, there's always probably a contingency. Like when we said, talk about um, Lambert's jacket the other day, 100%, 100% he would have come up to them and said, oh, Oh, it's a bit chilly. Here's my jacket or something. You know, there's always contingency in these situations. Before Connor turns up, they obviously try and get all the equipment out. They realise that they've got all the cameras up and they're working, but there's no audio. Jimmy Tinker turns up at Connor's place. I was not expecting that. That that was... No. Wow. Yeah. yeah not because the last time we saw him, he was so infatuated with this video of Abby, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, and, and then, you know, and then he's had his, his dealings with Mary Elizabeth as well. What's in the bag? So straight away, you, you're focused on the bag. They, they question what's in it. Connor gets a phone call and they realise it could be important. Kristen suggests opening a window to eavesdrop. She pushes her luck a bit, doesn't she? She does, she does. We get to see the cash in the bag, though. We know the money is clearly the money that's linked yeah. now to Do we see that Nate or do Flynn. they see that as well? I don't know if they do. We definitely do. And the fact that they've got surveillance, and I've put that, not sure if the surveillance picks that up. Fair play to Kristen. She learns that Prudence is going to meet Debeck. Or no, meet someone, somewhere. We hear Debeck. They don't show what, what she hears because she's got her head outside. Anyway, Jimmy's really protesting, saying, no, you shouldn't be going there. And yeah, it turns out that they didn't get to hear who Prudence was going to meet. Since track one have taken the job of tracing to back to Dog Island, track two now have to visit the houseboat wreckage to see if they can see what caused the explosion. And who's there? Frank Kovic. Frank Kovic is there taking photos. He suggests that C4 was used. I love how it's C4. It's such a... It's such a cliche, stereotypical plastic explosive. Of course it is. Of course it is. Frank takes Alan to talk to him about Lambert. Lambert was scheming in the same way that he is in Sunrise in Florida, building a golf course, ripping people off. Didn't have the money raised, though. He thinks that Nate Flint might have been onto him. And then again, poor Frank. Frank is down on his luck. So his wife's left. All right, yeah. You know, he's had an affair. Deanna Harris deals him a, a, a notice to say, you're out of work because Lambert's now bought the newspaper firm. Terminate your employment. Well, uh, to do that, you have to own the paper. No, um, Mr. Lambert does. It kicks off outside. Notice Alan's demeanor here. Alan's looking a bit lost. He's like scuffing his feet outside. He just feels a bit well, like. Is it what we said before, like, 
but he's had a rough three days. And I think he's gutted and, by and it. Alan obviously lives lives and breathes this world at the moment. It's hard for him. Next, we see Jeff, Alan, and Kovic all talking to one another in Sam's diner. Kovic actually calls them out for lying about who they saw at Debeck's cleansing. Annoyed that, you know, obviously Sam and Mary Elizabeth were there, but Frank wasn't told that. Jeff is on this, like, so quickly. Jeff lands a proper blow by saying, yep, and you lied about your affair with Sam. I talked to Sam this morning. I know she was there. Correct, but let's not be a hypocrite. Uh, You never told us about your having an affair with Sam. And Kovic thinks it's all, you know, you're using your tactics. And I've put Jeff is becoming more likeable to me here. Alan's just peering over his shoulder. And what I thought, he was peering over in awe. But then it turns out he's just really confused by Jeff's tactics. Yeah. <laughs> just thinks Jeff's going off on one. Thing is, I th- but also with these two, I mean, they are tired. That that was a long eight hours. <laughs> they just want to day off. They just want to go up and talk to someone burning plastic. <laughs> That's all they want to do. <laughs> So then it cuts back to HQ. It turns out that track one didn't actually hear who Prudence was going to meet. Kristen mentions that Connor is a little bit chipper considering her mate Thibodeau has recently died and her houseboat is blown up. We then get a cut scene of De Beck on his way to meet Connor. So, so Reverend Rusty Crandall is driving. God. Oh. The car gets flipped and we see the green and grainy footage of the killer again. Debeck says, forgive me. And there's another suspect gone. This cuts back then to HQ where Bill Thompson from a few episodes ago, the Trekker hotel owner, calls HQ after getting their number from Dudley. He says that someone broke into the same room that he showed the team last week at 3 or 4 a.m. last night and, and wrecked the place, taking a load of stuff and dumping it in the back of their truck on the way out. They got a glimpse of a person who was all dressed in black. Bill jumped in his truck and chased them. As he did, the car he was chasing had the tail pop open and all the goods went flying everywhere all over the road in the w- and into the woods. The group suggested it could be Connor's truck. This didn't go anywhere. This presumably is building up to a track next episode. Yeah. Gary announces that Debeck's limo was found flipped, but no bodies were found. Then he says that, amazingly, some of the video surveillance picked up audio from the Connor and Tinker hookup. Turns out that Jimmy took the photos and that's where the money came from. They were blackmailing. They were playing Nate and lying to the team and that Connor is very high on the list of suspects. Angel strangely suggests that Debeck could be in on it too, but then Debeck was going to meet Connor, so perhaps he was. And Katie, this is where Katie, she says the clearest thing of all of everything that we've heard so far. Someone has a lot of people fooled and a lot of people are in on it. Someone is playing them all, and the question is asked, who is killing them? Yeah. She says, suggests that it's all one big conspiracy, and that, yeah, there are more people to this. And we've said that all along. Obviously, there are a lot of skeletons in the town. Let's wait and see. It's, it's going to be an interesting finale, that's for sure. When Dudley reached the Beck's limo, they got the killer question, and that was, what rank was Connor's father? Alan, man, this is amazing that Alan and Angel, they just come to some sort of... Angel's like, well, what's the highest in the enlisted? Angel's heard it. He's heard it from Connor. He doesn't know he's heard it. But he, do- he does know he heard it, but he doesn't know what it is. But as soon as Alan, like, tells him, he's like, yeah, that's it. And yep, Sam Larrabee is cleared as the next suspect off the list. And they use a thick pen. 
we get to the vote. And to be honest, right, here's... And we don't get to see behind the scenes. Kristen has had a great few days she in has, my book. Her last six... Her last week's been really good, though. Yeah, in that episode, I'm watching, I'm thinking, actually, I'm beginning to like you. And then her bitching starts again about the vote and the conflict with Jeff and everything like that. And don't get me wrong, we don't get to see off camera. So, undoubtedly, this is happening behind the scenes. When they go for their evening meal, when they're getting ready for work in the morning undoubtedly there is probably some conflict so this is probably just overspill from that and we finally get to see it but actually if we just took it at face value if we not sorry if we just took it at what we've seen in the edit then actually she's doing all right and as the audience we're thinking she's all right as soon as she does that she completely undoes it Mm -hmm. and i think i want you to go again because you're starting if you'd have just kept your mouth shut you might not have been going but now that you're arguing again that was a downfall definitely a downfall in this yeah, so they suggest that the, the group is definitely voting for Jeff because Jeff has asked them to. Yeah, we didn't see that though, weirdly, did we? No, we didn't. And it seems a bit like reverse psychology gone wrong somewhat. Alan makes a quip, though, to Kristen that, oh, you and Jeff will be hooking up after this. <laughs> I still think that you and Jeff will end up together when y'all get back to California and Oregon. Yeah, you saw my tape. I would plow right over someone like that. Angel votes for Jeff. Kristen obviously votes for Jeff, but we don't actually get to see it. Alan votes for Kristen. And we don't see who Jeff votes for, but it's going to be Kristen. Yeah. And obviously they don't show you all of that because they want it to be a bit of drama. They've got the tie, you know, two votes for each Kristen and Jeff. See, now, I, before what, what happens happened, I already wrote down that if it's a tie, then they both should go. Because it's just, it just makes Katie's job a hell of a lot easier. And Katie's speech oh, at this point perfect. is brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. When Jeff was gone, I felt Kristen was more productive with Angel and Alan and I. And I felt when Kristen was gone, Jeff was more productive with Angel, Alan and I. The winners of the 2001 shiny black patent leather envelopes are Kristen and Jeff. By doing this, I think it's going to make everything better. Whoever comes back tonight, we're going to start fresh again. So Jeff is informed that he's heading to a storage house, Kristen heading to the junkyard. Jeff Again, another great quote in this episode that Jeff says that he's going to have a slow death playing this game or a quick death at the hands of the killer. Brilliant. Yeah, you're going to carry on playing and you're going to die slowly because it's doing your edit now or you're going to be voted on. Kristen thanks them all for sending well, Thanks for sending me out again. Five times surely is too many. Yeah. Mo has a great part to play in this. Oh, yeah, he asks Kristen if she's scared and then proceeds to tell her when Lindsay died that he heard the gunshots. <laughs> It's funny though we we don't really see them interact with Mo like Mo and people like that enough. But obviously no. Mo and X Ray must be taking them to all these locations, so they must spend spend some yeah a lot of time with them. Jeff tells X Ray he's excited. He's trying to think positive. See, I think this is just pure fear, <laughs> Jeff. Pure abs- and you can tell that in the next scene. X Ray says the group are ruthless for sending Kristen again, and Jeff just shrugs it off and laughs. And I've put here if Kristen survives this, she is a stooge or. She is credited as a producer or something. (laughs) There's no way. Odds, mate. You were right last week. Odds. There's no way. If she was coming back this week, she is dead cert to win. 100%. I'm back to back. I'm here. The grainy footage. Jeff goes in shouting. Full on living it. He's gone insane. He's very cocky. He's very cocky. But is he cocky or is he scared? This is what I've put. I've put, I've put, Jeff's very cocky. He deserves to die. He's blatantly scared. Because it's the same thing. You, you, you sort of try and act up to sort of calm yourself down. And that is what he's doing. He's got his chest puffed. He's shouting. Kicking he's stuff. He's like, 
Yeah, he's... I think I think if the killer had come out, if someone, if a producer had come out and tapped him on the shoulder and said, "You're going, mate," he'd have punched him in the face. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's so revved up. Yeah, he was full on all out and out. Yeah. We see a bit of grainy footage around Kristen walking into her place. We see Jeff walking around his place, kicking and screaming, and then we hear an explosion. We see a bright light. I thought Jeff and had that's been it. blown up. Jeff's gone. Jeff is assumed dead. Oh, yeah, that's it. Hundred percent. Jeff had been blown up. And then in the next scene, Kristen gets killed. And this is when I thought, is it a double whammy? Have we lost two of them now? Because we're so close to the final, are we losing them both? And then obviously, this is, it, it was such good TV. It was so well done. And it was that classic, they've not done this to this point. And we were complaining last week about how they always show someone killed and then you see someone else picking up, or you see someone picking up a killer clue and then you see someone else, and it doesn't really ramp up, doesn't give you any mm-hmm. sort of drama. This was perfect. Obviously, the clue is then lit up and we see OSL, the order, strength and logic. And the fact that, Jeff then goes. Unbelievable. It's like watching. Jeff is like in Die Hard or something. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, eight suspects and four investigators remain, although we can also assume De Beck was likely killed. So it's actually seven suspects. And undoubtedly, early in the next episode, we'll find out that De Beck was killed. So there are a few questions. Number one, who is the killer? I, I think last week I said Sam, which obviously is very defunct now. Mm. Um, I think it's too obvious to be Lambert. We've seen a lot of Connor, haven't we? And Jimmy. I'm, I'm going to go out there and say Mary Elizabeth. Oof, nice. So... Everything is now pointing towards prudence. Yeah. Still could be Lambert. Could be Rusty, mate, as well. Could easily be. I don't think it's Kovic. No, no. I feel sorry for him more than anything. He's not a nice person, but who will be eliminated as a suspect next week? Obvious one initially, Debeck, presumed dead. Yes, then I reckon it will be. I'm trying to think who we've got left. I've put Mayor Bowden. He didn't feature enough in this episode to still continue yeah, being He's an easy one. A suspect. He's an easy one to get rid of. Easy to get rid of. Or he might die. He might die, mate. We've had random killings. Oh yeah, he might. But yeah, I think he's I think he's gone. Rusty, I'm amazed that he's not been eliminated yet, but obviously he's featured a lot more in the last few. He and Mary Elizabeth could still be working together. Who will win? Now, if you'd have asked me this halfway through this episode, I'd have gone, oh, I wouldn't mind if Jeff won. Now Jeff went full on psycho. It's still Alan. I, right. I want it. This is my top four. This is how it's going to go, right? Katie, Jeff, Angel, Alan. Alan to win. It'll be between Alan and Angel, in my opinion, and Alan's going Alan's gonna to win it. I was going to contest, but actually, I don't think Angel could be fourth because I think he's the next lifeguard. I think. Because Chris, we'll talk about that in a minute, but Kristen is they were um, a good team, they voting, were, they were. and they're a good team. So I'm just to change things up a bit. I I I actually agree with you entirely. But let me just flip it and say I'm going to put Jeff in fourth. Okay. I think Jeff will go. Then I think it'll be Katie. And I think yeah, I think Angel and Alan. I agree with you top two. We've, I think we said that from the start. I mean, we've took a liking to Alan quite quickly. Wait, Alan, Alan's just a character, and and he's been living it. But also, he's nice. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's not been a prick to anyone. He's not. You know, tried to be mean or anything like that. I think he's he's a nice guy. Who will be the next lifeguard? Uh, Angel. It has to be. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. In fact, mate, I'm going to change mine up. Although I want Alan to win, I think he could be full foul of the the killer's game. So I'm putting Angel in first place. Odds because if he is the he's got the best odds. He is the only dead cert for the final if he gets the lifeguard. So I'm putting Angel in first place and Alan actually in second place. Yeah, maybe. 
So I'm going Jeff and Alan facing the killers game next. Next next game, I'm going to put Katie and Jeff. And that's it, mate. Cool. Well, I've rained it off there then, shall we? If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think. We're at Presents Jam on Twitter. Join us next time where we search the Beck's limo, we offer a criminal some liquor, and we see someone confess to the murders.